Welcome to NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards. Hopefully you've had another good week watching the National League. It's been a busy week once again. We've had midweek fixtures. We had fixtures over the weekend and we've got more midweek fixtures coming up during the week before the big FA Cup games for some National League sides. Joining me as always is Rob Orrell. Hello, Rob. Hi, Luke. Hi, guys. A very happy Rob Orrell. We'll get onto that later on. Uh, less so, uh, we've got two unhappy um, members of the panel, as always. Dickie, hello. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Yes, no, you're welcome. No, I'm, I'm, uh, you have to do without the visuals. I'm sure that won't be a problem. Um, yeah, just because my bandwidth's a bit tricky this afternoon. But uh, yeah, good to join you again. Uh, someone else is unhappy. It is Joe Pope. Hello, Joe. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me back on again. Um, another defeat, but that's now customary. Uh, on this podcast so uh, yeah not uh, not a good weekend technically unhappy I mean we'll, we'll get on to it later maybe not as unhappy as expecting so uh, we'll, we'll see and also joining us it is BT Sports National League Pundit one of the many who join them on the show it is Scott Doe hello Scott hello hope you're all good yeah, we're great. Cheers. Um, but we're going to look at the, the National League. It started on Friday evening, actually. It was a draw between Barnett and Scunthorpe. Two late goals in that game. Uh, Rob, Robbie Apter gave Scunthorpe the lead. And then it was Harry Pritchard who equalised there. So that keeps Barnett in ninth and Scunthorpe down just above the relegation places in 20th place. And uh, I think... Dean Barnett, Dean Barnett, Dean Brennan might be more disappointed with that result than Tony Dawes, maybe? Yeah, definitely. He was. I've seen his uh, post-match. He didn't feel the side were up to recent standards. And the only other comment I've got to make on that game and those goal scorers, I think I'm right in saying that Pritchard and Apta have both scored in each of the three games um, in the last week. So Pritchard's got four in the three games for Barnett and I think Rob Apta scored in all three games for Scunthorpe. So well done those two. Uh, but ultimately, a, a point each. Barnett couldn't quite propel themselves into the playoff positions uh, and Scunthorpe can't quite get themselves clear enough of that, that relegation zone. Yeah, on to Saturday. It was top v bottom. Notts County against Tarkey. I know you said to us, Joe, you'd be happy if Tarkey kept it down to six. Seen as Notts County battered Wheelstone during the week. Six nil. A big, uh, big win for them. But, they only scored the four yesterday, Joe. So I think you're quite happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, for for the majority of the game, it was uh, perhaps not close in the game, but certainly the scoreline it was. Um, we, you know, you look at it and say four 0 and say that we've really, really struggled. And yes, we did struggle, but you know, two goals have come right at the end, 88th minute and 90th minute. Um, you know, Rawlinson. Um, centre half scores from the edge of the box. You know, any other day he's probably putting that over the bar. Um, it's you know really really good finish. And then Quevin De Castro with two minutes to go, he puts one in from thirty yards in the corner. Again, that could go anywhere. And then Badrami, um, who's been in really really good form so far for Knotts, he shoots from thirty yards and it deflects off two defenders and goes past Mark Housted. So. Yeah, it wasn't a good performance. Um, certainly attacking-wise, um, we really, really struggled. Obviously, no Aaron Jarvis, who got sent off uh, last game um, against Eastleigh in the week. Um, but, you know, not to a very, very good side. Um, they really didn't have to get out of first gear um, and still managed to get a, 
a convincing win. But as for Torquay, obviously, they wouldn't have expected to win at Notts County. Um, I know I've seen a few fans say that we shouldn't be negative and go to Notts County just assuming that we'd lose. But, you know, that's where we are. Um, so, yeah, we've signed a couple of players in the lead up to the game. Um, uh, a striker um, that used to be at Darlington, I believe, Cameron Thompson, um, that was at Barnsley. He's signed on non-contract terms. And we've also signed two centre-halves. Um, Lucas Ness, who was at Hampton and Richmond last year, I believe, who apparently did really, really well. And we've also signed Mark Ellis, um, that used to be at Solihull Moors and obviously used to be at Torquay. So hopefully they can... Uh, make the difference. What have you made of Notts County then? Have they surprised you? I think they've surprised all of us really, certainly here on the panel, because we it's a manager who's only really managed at Swindon before, didn't go that successfully. So I think there was question marks over him, but he's coming and, and it's really clicking now, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that was the thing. I didn't know too much about the manager um, myself, but it was obviously a, it was a good appointment in terms of, Although things not might have gone great, he st- they still got a manager who was at Swindon Town, you know. So obviously it was a big club and it was a good appointment. Um, but I like, I think he's one of these managers who has his philosophy on how he wants to play. And I actually think it's really good how how quickly they've taken to it, to be honest. it When I've, when I've seen them play this season, I mean, so, I have to say the signings they've made have been brilliant. They, they pretty... I mean, they pretty much took a couple of gates in, obviously Lang stuff, but they took their like best players. Um, and I think they signed very well. And yeah, it's just, it has surprised me how well it's clicked for them. Um, but like I said, it's good because, you know, we're all talking about Wrexham. I was obviously saying Chesterfield as well. And then them, them playing the way they are at the moment, it just throws another one in the mix as well. It is really good to see what Notts County are doing because, I mean, Wrexham have been brilliant and... And it's a huge pressure on Wrexham, you know, especially with, obviously, you have all the documentary, the owners and everything like that. Obviously, the players that they've got in, ex-football league players as such. And I think they're doing, they're dealing with it very well and doing well so far. But it's very good to see Notts County up there as well, top, Chesterfield keeping pace, Borenwood still not too far off, um, obviously, Dagenham, South End creeping into playoffs and that, and and I think yet again as we as we see, it's always close for all those such a from the bottom to the top. There's no team falling adrift. I know Torquay have have had a bad run, but they're not completely adrift, and it's such a tight league, and it just never it never seems to like amaze you each season. The, the, the league just keeps getting better, and obviously the teams. You can never predict it, put it that way. There's always, everyone can beat everyone on a weekend, that's for sure. You've cheered you Joe right up with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you can't um, ignore just how well Notts County are doing. Here, I'm going to illustrate it. They generally say two points per game. If you can average that, that's promotion form. That's yeah. pretty much what Chesterfield in third place are doing, 31 points, 16 games. Wrexham, I've got 2.25 points per game in second place. And Notts County are on 2.43 points per game this season. That's phenomenal. And if they can keep up anywhere near 2.3 or above, they've got every chance of winning it. And just one other little bonus, Joe. You kept Macaulay Langstaff out. Yeah, well, if although it's been a, a difficult start to the season, we can at least stop... Uh... 
put a, a gold star on the chart for that that we didn't uh, didn't let him score. I mean, he'd have probably gone into it yesterday uh, thinking that he could probably get to the goal record in one game. Um, but uh, yeah, good to good to not have him on the score sheet. We'll get on to all the shots results, but you two face off, don't you, on Tuesday? Talky v all the shot an NL full time derby. Yeah, and I don't yes. think either of us are going to be there, are we? No, well, we should have been at the first game. Um, this game should have been played, um, I believe, on the weekend where the Her Majesty the Queen uh, passed away, so it was cancelled. Um, so we were going to be both in attendance. I was going to be on uh, BBC Radio, sorry, with Rob um, doing the commentary, but unfortunately none of us are going to be there on Tuesday, which at the moment, as I said to uh, to Rob, might be a good thing. The fact I don't see uh, Talkie get a get a, a, a thrashing from uh, from his his mob. Yeah, you don't want to see Rob's uh, smug grin at the end, do you, Joe? That, that'd be too much for you, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I know you mentioned about Langstaff as well, didn't you? Ten goals in, in two games and he's only got one of them. Yeah, it, 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 I had to uh, mention that, really. I, I saw some comments, I think it was from, from some Chesterfield fans the other week, who I think they felt last season that a lot of their problem was that they were reliant on Shimanga. And obviously when he was injured that they had a problem. And I think there was some suggestions being pushed in Notts County's direction that, you know, Langstaff was the only person scoring goals for them and therefore they'd be vulnerable to the same kind of thing. Well, as I said, 10 goals in two games, Langstaff only getting one of those 10 goals suggests that there are goals in the rest of that Notts County team as well. And it's not just about, you know, shutting him down. That's... That's the thing. If you if you think Langstaff is the main threat, and and assign extra you know players to him to mark him or try and shut him down, it's only going to leave it open for other players, and that that appears to be what's happened in the last couple of games. In second place, it is Wrexham. They won three one at home to Halifax on Tuesday, and it's been a good week for them. They followed that up in a Phil Parkinson derby, a four nil win, over ten thousand as well at the University of Glendary Stadium. Apologies for butchering that. Shall I just call it the race course, eh? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> it was... Uh... Call it Ras if you want to do the Welsh version. Oh, okay. There we go. Dick, you threw that in there. But uh, yeah, Kai... <laughs> That's why we pay. That's why we paid Dick in the big bucks. Do we? <laughs> it's just because I live near the border, that's all. Yeah. Uh, on the score sheet on Saturday against Altrincham, was Paul Mullin, of course. Two goals for Ollie Palmer and James Jones. Uh, pretty comprehensive for Wrexham. And after a couple of unconvincing results in the FA Cup away and then at Boreham Wood last week, the pressure was on Phil Parkinson, but they responded with six points in the last two home games. Yeah, they have. And um, a cracking goal from Mullin. A uh, bit of an overhead or sort of scissor kick, really. Um, and, and just one final point on that game. It wasn't just the Phil Parkinson derby, was it? It was the James Jones derby. There was a James Jones in either side as well. Um, but yeah, Woking, um, I beg your pardon, do that bit again. Wrexham uh, starting to go through the gears again now. Uh, and the only frustration really for them will be each time they come off the park with another three points, they check Notts County's result and Notts County have won again as well. Wrexham then, what do you make of them? They've had a strong week, haven't they, at home? And away from home, there is still the odd question mark, isn't there? They may be picking up draws where you don't expect them to, but at home, they seem pretty formidable, don't they? 
Yeah, I, I can't see them dropping many points at home. I, I think the one thing that I've been a bit more impressed with this season, uh, which I would say I wasn't as much last season, is they seem to be keeping more clean sheets as well. Um, they were having a lot of your, uh, for an, an example, the Dover game, where they ended up winning, I think, 6-5. Um, and they had a few of those those crazy results. Um, obviously, there was a playoff game against Grimsby as well, which was a high-scoring game. So, I like it how, like the other day, obviously on the weekend, they won 4-0 home to Altrincham and keeping clean sheets, which is a thing um, that they wasn't doing as much. But, go, I mean, going forward, we all know, you know, with all, all the players they've got, you know, Mullin, Lee, Palmer, all chipping in. They've got so much talent up there. Um, scoring, obviously scoring freely. Uh, but like you said, it, that is the test. It is always going to be the test, especially when they go on the road, because it, for every other team in the league, what comes with Wrexham is, you know, obviously the owners and everything. It's Everyone wants to beat them. They want to beat them that bit more. And when they go to these other stadiums and they go to these, you know, these horrible away Tuesday night games and things like that, that's where they have to... Um, you know, obviously, fully step up and uh, and, and get and get the results because it will be tougher than when they're in front of their big crowd at home. Obviously, Scott talked about how Wrexham have uh, have looked a little bit, you know, harder to play against uh, so far this season. Um, at this point, last season they had four clean sheets and they've already got four clean sheets, um, and they've actually they've actually conceded more goals this year at this point than they had last year, um, which is interesting, That's- but. Probably because of that five they're letting against Barnet, wasn't it? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I no, think the thing it, is, it's yeah, interesting. Just... Like, so I was just going to say, it's no. interesting that, that that that's it's got that perspective about it. But actually, like Joe says, it's probably slightly worse. Yeah, no, that's it. I think it, it is. It is that is interesting to see, and I I just think I think what it was is because it just because obviously it was towards the back end of the season. It stuck in. It stuck in my mind. I covered. I covered their game against Woking last season where they um I think they they mm. conceded a couple of goals or they lost they lost late on. I think they won up, lost two one. Um and then obviously the Dover game where obviously everyone knew Dover were down and then they conceded five goals to Dover and Dover hadn't scored five goals, you know, they they, they hadn't scored nearly five goals all season sort of thing. So yeah, and then and then obviously that crazy um, game against Grimsby in the playoffs as well, which was I think was it seven five or six six five, yeah six five as well. So yeah, it's interesting to see, but it's just a I, I I like the way I like the way that they are showing that they are going about grinding out those results as well. You know, it's not always necessarily winning by a load of goals. Apart from this weekend, um, they have ground out a few good results as well. Chesterfield, they won at home 2-0 against Boreham Wood to stay in third position. Uh, Jeff King scoring yet again. He's, a, he's on a hot streak along with Darren Oldacre. He got another goal as well on 73 minutes. Um, but they did end up with 10 men. Brandon Horton sent off in injury time. It didn't make much difference. But a big win that for Chesterfield against the side who are going to be in the playoff. Yeah, big win for, for Chesterfield. Um, you know, the... They they've done okay this season, but you know the, those big games where they need to you know get a get a result. They've uh, they've just started to get a couple of those. 
Um, and that was a, a big one yesterday for them. Obviously, they missed a penalty um, and then came back and, and got a second to make sure of the three points. So, um, yeah, really, really good uh, win for them. Obviously, Jeff King on the score sheet again. He scored in his, each of his last three and he's now up to six for the season. Um, what, a, what a season he's having. It's an amazing season for for um, fullbacks and wingbacks for scoring goals because... It's not just Jeff King. We've got Adam Chickson at Notts County as well, who I think is on five or six already. And um, it's Daly, isn't it, at Woking? Yeah, he's um, a fullback, he's on yeah. Six. He's on six as well. Uh, phenomenal. It really is. That's uh, Any centre-forward in the National League would be delighted with six goals already at this stage, um, you know, in the first 16 games or so, whatever, six or more. But... Um, for, for full-backs and wing-backs to uh, have that sort of total. That's fantastic. Do you think that Shamanga is key for them? I mean, I know they, they kind of, they were, they were okay at the start of the season, weren't they, when he was out injured and then he had that move to Birmingham, which uh, fell through. Now he's gradually coming back. They are starting to win. He's starting to score again. And I think it was, uh, I can't remember who said it a couple of weeks ago. I think Chris Hargreaves said it. I, I don't think that the... Uh, he doesn't think the realignment quite as much this year. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I've, I, do, I do actually. Um, I think previous seasons they have relied on him, but I mean, obviously, I having played against, I played against him a few times, and he's he's a very good, he, he's a great goal scorer, but he's a very good striker. He's hard to deal with, you know. He's he's fast, he's strong, he can finish. Um, but the thing that's what they've done, you know, they got the likes of like Jeff King. Obviously, a very good player mm. chips in with a good fair few goals as well, and they've spread him about a bit, which I think they well they needed to anyway because obviously he was out injured with that horrible injury for so long, so they had to. Um, I actually think, in a way, it might have helped them a little bit because they lost, like you said, they lost Shamanga for that period of time. It's almost like they've had to find a way without him, so I think it kind of helped them with other people stepping up to the plate. And now having him back is obviously just, you know, a massive bonus. Um, and he'll go on to get a good a good few goals again this season. And what do you make of your old side? Boreham would, of course, not conceding many goals as you'd expect from a Luke Garrard side. They're in sixth. Do you expect them to be in and around the title mix or do you think it will just be playoffs? I think playoffs. Um, and in all ones, obviously, I speak to Luke quite a bit. I covered, um, I covered their game against Maidstone this season on BT. And... The only reason I say that is just for me with Boring Wood, they they've got a they've got a very good side and, and they in my opinion they do always overachieve um in terms of compared to the you know the the likes of your Rexhams and Knox Counties. But I just think it's when they get to the latter stage of the season where the, the squad matters massively, you know, not just the team, the squad matters and and people coming in and doing the same job as your best eleven as such. So I think it will be I think it'll be playoffs because um, I, 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 I heard Luke do, um, he'd done an interview early on in the season and he just kind of said, he mentioned the top four. He said like Solihull, Wrexham, Notts County, Chesterfield. And he said, you know, we're kind of in that next, that next little slot. He said, that's what they're trying to aim for as such, you know, the next best after them four. So I think playoffs would be a very good achievement actually because obviously there's been a couple of seasons where they've looked like getting there and missed out so Solihull are in fourth they're, oh, they're away at Gateshead they drew 1-1 and, and they went behind to a bizarre own goal that was given to Ben Coker no fault of his own really he passed it back to his goalkeeper who promptly lifted his foot over yeah. it and it went Ryan in the Boone. goal 
Yeah, Ryan Boot took a swing of his boot and missed, didn't he? And uh, in the end, it rolled into the net. And uh, yeah, a bad error there. But he did manage to reply through Alex Gudger. But they'll feel like they've been very solid, Solihull. They'll probably feel like that's two points drop, won't they? I'm not sure, you know, when you equalise that late. And it's something I've noticed. It's a really good habit Solihull Moors have got. You get those days where they purr. You know, they, they are that well-oiled machine and they win two or three goals, don't concede many. And then on the days when it doesn't quite go right for them because they go behind or maybe they get a man sent off, um, they still find a way. Do you remember they were 2-0 down and down to 10 men a few weeks ago and they got a two-all out of it? And that is the side of a, a sign of a quality side for me when they dig out a point on the days when things haven't really gone their way. Yeah, Dickie, another decent point for Gateshead there against uh, the playoff chasing side. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, Gateshead have slipped into the bottom four, um, but, you know, I think they can be heartened by um, taking a point against a very strong Solihull Moors team. Um, Alex Goodger's second goal in a week for Solihull, it was that uh, retrieved a point for them yesterday after he scored the first and winning at Maidenhead in the week. Josh Kelly scoring against his old side in the week as well with a very coolly taken penalty is uh, his technique, something to be uh, admired if you've if you've watched it. But yeah, um, I don't know. I think when Gates had lost you know, uh, uh, Langstaff and Scott, we feared for them, didn't we? So um, I'm not sure that we necessarily thought that they would be in the bottom four. But um, for me, it's about their home form. I think Gates had got to make the best possible use of the fact that it's a heck of a trek up to Gateshead for most teams. And they've just got to, um, you know, try and, get as many points from games at their own place as possible. And I think ultimately, at the end of the day, that may well just be enough for them. Woken are in the playoff places. They won 1-0 against Eastleigh. Uh, on loan, Reading forward, Jamari Clark with the only goal there. And Woken are probably slightly um, surprising everyone at the minute, aren't they, Scott? Yeah, I think so. Um, they, they're another side that have... Uh, kind of been I say in and around it but they sometimes they got they they slip into the playoffs and then they and then they've fallen away but I do think they've got a very good manager in Saul who obviously knows the league very well going there from the oval and yet again I think they've been they've been quite good with recruitment considering they let Kretschmar go to Wildstone um, which is obviously a massive miss because he he was uh, not only just their penalty taker, but he got um, got a fair few goals for him every season. So, but they have been a a, a bit of a, a bit of a surprise uh, surprise package. Um, but like I said, yet yeah, again, it it kind of didn't surprise me in terms of the manager they got in. Um, he seems very, and I, I I covered their game this season. Um, they when they played Wrexham at Woking. And they 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 went to, they went down to ten men early on, but honestly, that Wrexham won the game. But they woke them a brilliant. They were very very good, and they deserved more out of the game in the end. And I, I was impressed with them. So it hasn't surprised me too much that they have crept into the playoffs. One one team who has crept into the playoffs is Southend. They've leapfrogged the opponents that they beat York City. In fact, there's only six points separating the in fact there's no it's less than that in fact there's only three points separating seventh and eleventh that's Dagenham and Redbridge York down to tenth but South End uh, we've talked about them over the last couple of weeks they're off field shenanigans there but that's a good win to go up to York and win 
Very, yeah, very good. Um, I, York York were start. I think started very well. Um, and have had a few a few iffy results of late, but going there and winning is a good result. And like you said, it doesn't obviously know people at Southland very well. Like Kevin May, I used to play with Darren Curry, used to play with obviously John Stills, the like head of recruitment. And it doesn't help when you've obviously got the the stuff going off the pitch all the time. Uh, it seems to be never ending there. Um, but he always had that in his mind. I mean, John Still. He, he spoke to me about, I think it was last season, and he was saying to me that, you know, he was asking me about certain players and he was saying that, like, these players that they want to get in, they need to be ready to kind of push for the title as such. And that so that kind of was telling me the sort of places that they were trying to aim at Southend, you know. They were looking to try and challenge up with a title. Um, obviously, that isn't going to be this season, but for them, sneaking into the playoffs just shows that, they have improved massively from where they were. And it's just all about getting that consistency going, which obviously eight, the top boys have. Eight clean sheets in 12 as well for Southend. Um, that's the, that's a big part of their success right now. Indeed, yeah. Uh, Southend unbeaten in the last six games, 14 points from the last 18. So, you know, that, that surge into the playoff places off the back of that. And it <clears throat> makes you wonder about that um, court date that they've got due in early November. You know, it, that doesn't appear to be unduly affecting the players at the moment. It doesn't appear to be weighing too heavily on their minds. Either that or they're using it as inspiration and, and, and fuel to the fire to, you know, um, show people what they can do. Another of your old sides, Scott, Dagenham and Redbridge now, we always think, keep thinking Darren McMahon's on the brink. They're having a bad season. But as I say, they're only three points off the playoffs now. They beat Wheelstone by four goals to one. A couple of goals for Junior Marias in there. And what do you make of Dagenham? It's been a funny old season for them so far. Yeah, I, I actually went to watch the game against Boreham Woods um, in, in, in the week. And they're just, for me, and I think pretty much all Dagenham fans would, would would admit it, it's just the consistency. And and it's not just this season. They've been like it for the last three, four seasons. It's just they will go, they will go on a run and they can win three, four, five games on the bounce, no problem. But then they go on a run and they can lose three, four, five on the bounce as well. And they've been doing that constantly. Um I mean they had that result. They lost five nil at home to Notts County this season. Um, and then obviously they go and pick up like the, they they won this weekend four one and they can do that and they have yet again I know they've definitely had lately they've had a bad time of injuries they have lost quite a few important players um, but it's just it is the only word I can use them is just the consistency is why I feel like they fail to make those playoff those playoff places um, I watched them. I think the might have been the last game. I think last season they played Wrexham, and I think they just missed out in the playoffs. And they beat Wrexham, and they were brilliant. And when I say they played them off the park, but you've got to do it all the time. You know, you can't just do it one week and not another. And that kind of seems to be the case of them. Um, and why, they, do you think, why do you think that is? Is it is it a player thing? Is it a mentality thing? Is it maybe the manager not not being complacent as such? But what, how how does that happen? Well, I think, for, you know, first and foremost, I think what we just said there as well, um, you said about like South End. I, I say this on BT all the time, obviously me being a defender, but 
for me, the teams that win the league, the team who end up winning the league is the ones that, like, you know, keeping clean sheets. That's why, like, Boreham Wood are kind of always in, up there because they keep a lot of clean sheets. It's about being solid. And Southend keeping those clean sheets. But Dagnum don't do it. I mean, when they do... I know it's 4-1, but when they do win games, it's it can be 4-2, 4-3, 5-3. High-scoring games, um, like when they played against Dorkin as well. I d- I'm, not sh- I'm honestly not sure whether it's a... It could be a, a mentality thing in terms of some... I think I've said this before, some games you... You know, some game you should be up for every game, but some games may be slightly easier to get up for than others. Playing against certain teams, playing against other teams, going away from home, you know. Um, but it's all about for them. They need to be more solid first because they can always score goals, Dagnum. But they have to be more solid at the other end. Yeah, and Joe, hope for you as a Torquay fan, Wheelstone on a horrendous run, one win in eleven. They've lost six on the bounce now, and they're sinking like a stone. Yeah, I mean, they're not sinking that low that they'll suddenly come into trouble against Torquay. But uh, yeah, um, obviously some defensive issues for them. They started the season really, really well. But, you know, they've shipped a lot of goals recently. I think, what was it, four on the weekend and then it's obviously six in midweek. So, um, yeah, that's a surprising one, really, because I, I didn't really see that coming. You know, they've always been a, a solid side under Stuart Maynard and... Uh, I mean, Stuart Maynard's a good enough manager. He'll turn that around and he'll get them, you know, play, uh, winning games again and uh, and keeping clean sheets, uh, but not at the moment. Down at the bottom, in the bottom four, it's Maidstone and Yeovil. They met on Saturday. Yeovil parted company with Chris Hargreaves during the weekend and appointed Mark Cooper as manager. And it looked like they were going to get off to a winning start. Alex Fisher with a goal after 13 minutes. They held out until the 96th minute when Regan Booty's penalty rescued a point for Maidstone. Scott, I've got to ask, I know he's sort of a, a former colleague of yours. What what do you make of it all at Yeovil? Uh, to be honest, I know obviously he's a friend of mine. I think it's harsh. Um, and I, one of the first things, like he rang me when he first got the job. And one of the first things we kind of agreed on is I was saying about I feel, for me, just through my career, Yeovil are a football league club. They're a very big side. They get great, great fan base, and that that's kind of where I believe they should be. Um, but I don't think he had. I mean, what did what didn't help him um, straight away is I think a day before the season he lost Knowles. Now, when you lose your top goal scorer literally about a day or so before the start of the season, it's it, it's going to be tough, you know, to to try and get someone to replace him. Um, so that wasn't easy. I just feel like, uh, like, of course, they're just, they were just above the relegation zone. So I understand the results weren't great. They, I mean, they lost, which didn't help. The FA Cup game didn't help because it's kind of like a local, you know, against a local rival, Taunton as well. That didn't help going out of that. I just feel like he should have been given more time um, that's all. I feel like he should have been given more time there to try and turn it around and try and maybe get some players in if he could get some more players in to help. Um, but in all, I mean, let's be honest, in all football nowadays, I don't think many managers get much time, to be honest with you. It's, there's been a lot of turnaround in all, all, all leagues this season. So it didn't surprise me. It's losing to all the shot, Rob. That's what it is. It's just finished him off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's happened a few times. Happened a few times over the years. But yeah, it, it had 
been coming and that one was too much to take. There was a lot of booing on Tuesday night. Um, mm. there, was boo- there was booing at half-time when it was nil-nil um, when Yeovil hadn't actually got an effort on target. Um, mm. And, um, yeah, the booing at the end of the game was was pretty horrendous, actually. Um, and, and obviously being involved on the Aldershot side, there was an, a feeling of elation with that win. Um, and, and, it, and it almost sort of shocked us how much you know, the descent within the ground, how much they were booing it. It was very evident vocally that the fans had had enough. But I think you just have to temper it, really. Obviously, Chris was on here the other week with us three three weeks ago, four weeks ago. They just got a really good win. They'd drawn a lot of games. He was there and thereabouts. He wasn't that far off, was he? But um, um, as Mark Mosey said a few weeks ago, uh, unfortunately, managers don't give, get given the same time to develop as the players do. Mm. Joe, uh, you, you've been to see quite a few Yeovil games as well and I know um, there's been a lot of dissent on Twitter about it do you think it's because maybe Chris hadn't managed for a few years and it, it's kind of certainly not at um, National League level so do you think it's kind of well we need a big name to get us out of this but we've talked about it before I mean they've probably got one of the lowest budgets in the league and, and fans have got a temper expectation haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, there is a bit of blame that has to go on to Chris because obviously they weren't winning matches. But I don't think, obviously, he will know more than we do. I don't think he probably had all the resources he needed to uh, to to get the results. I mean, you know, big game on Tuesday night against Aldershot, and you know, he would have think he'd have thought, right, you know, put behind us the FA Cup, you know, win this game, and then hours before the game, they get Sam Pearson, who's been absolute revelation for them being recalled by Bristol City. So they lose him on the night of one of their biggest games so far this season. And that ultimately costs him his job. Um, Obviously, it is difficult. I don't think it will change with Mark Cooper. Um, Obviously, he's a big name. He's an experienced football league coach. I've got my own views on the appointment of Mark Cooper, which I'll keep uh, uh, private to our group. But... um, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one. I don't think it will change. They may have a little bit of an upturn in fortunes in the in the short term, but I think long term, I think Yeovil are still in the exact same position they were in under Hargreaves and were in under Darren Way. Looking looking down at the table, Scott, as well as we mentioned Scunthorpe earlier, they're just one point and one place above Yeovil and Oldham. They're just two points. And they're a point ahead of Scunthorpe and just two points ahead of Yeovil. They lost 2-1 at Halifax in the late game on BT Sport. It's given Halifax a boost. They are four points clear of the relegation zone. But again, it just shows if you're coming down from League Two, it's not easy, is it? No, it's not. Um, and you know what? It's one of, one of the questions that I get asked about quite mostly, actually. And it's about that gap. Um, about the gap between the National South to the National League, from the National League to the League Two. And it, it's it been getting closer every year. Um, I mean, a good few years. There's obviously, there are some big clubs in League Two, but I feel the majority of the teams now who do go up from the National League do fairly well in League Two. Um, whereas obviously coming down... It's not easy. I mean, it's the we know it's the hardest league to get out of. That's that's a fact. You know, only one wins it, one in the playoffs. But coming down, it really is tough. And obviously, it's shown with Scunthorpe and Oldham. And I mean, normally you have a new manager come in, you know, and you you want that little spark and results start to turn. And they haven't really had that. 
Um, I know, obviously, he's he kind of publicly said that he needs to obviously get quite a few more players in. But, you know, games like that, um, I know Halifax have actually had uh, quite a few good results. You know, they were at the start of the season a really bad run, um, but they beat Dagnum as well. But that is a sort of game where, you you know, Unsworth coming in would have expected to win. Um, and obviously to lose the game, not even draw as well, is a big blow. And the fans' expectations as well. I mean, if I'm right, I think, I think Oldham took 2,000 there, didn't they? I know it's not far up the M62, but uh, a huge away following there. And they'll feel that down, won't they? Yeah, it is. You know what? Even even if they're close games, it's brilliant. That, 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 that sort of support that they've taken, and I've seen seen the sort of support they've been getting at the home games as well. It's, it's, it's brilliant to see. And, you know, they, they obviously want want repaying, you know. And I, I kind of think it's a, a, a similar thing in, in terms of like what we were just saying about down at Yeovil as well, you know. They're, they're, their fans have kind of always always been, been, been like that, you know, and expectations are high. Um, but obviously it's not necessarily always goes that way. Yeah, there was a mid-table battle between Darkin and Aldershot, but I'm afraid we'd have run out of time. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> go on, Rob. You know what? This you is your what? moment. And you know what? I'm going to, you're going to give me the opportunity to moan about BT again. They showed all the goals on the highlights yesterday, and then they always talk about every game. They showed the Darkin Aldershot game, and then they didn't even mention it in the chat, even though that was uh, a, a, a phenomenal. Uh, a phenomenal performance and result. But there mm-hmm. you go. Now, look, long story short, Aldershot somehow, some way, under the stewardship of Terry Brown and, and to a lesser extent, and more so Ross McNeely, uh, the academy manager, have gone and smashed out three wins in a week. And uh, on Saturday, the win at Dorking was, was was phenomenal. Look, when I got to Meadowbank, I had a quick catch-up on the pitch with Mark White before the game. And here's our chat. Very quick word with Mark White, Dorking manager, owner, chairman at um, Dorking Wanderers at Meadowbank before the game against Aldershot, which should be a cracker. We hope it is. Um, but Mark, I want to know, do you feel you've pissed all over your territory yet? <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what? What a great question. Do you know what? Like, it's not easy for a small club to earn respect, but I do think after a relatively short space of time earning respect, and I'm hearing opposition managers and fans talk about the damage Dawking can do, and that's all we can ask for, really, in our first season. We're obviously not coming into this division trying to win it. We're not trying to, you know, get in the playoffs or nothing silly like that. We're just here to enjoy it, build our fan base, build a ground that if it doesn't get built, means we get relegated. And we're loving it, do you know. And, and the league's been so hospitable. We've had great rivalries um, already with teams, and, and mm. the fans have been getting on, mm. and it's, it's been fantastic, to be fair. And to be fair as well to you, of course, you know, from outsiders looking in, that's bringing in a lot of new potential fans from the documentary. But when they're coming, they're being well entertained, don't they? They're seeing a lot of goals going in at both ends, and you just look like you're really enjoying yourselves. Yeah, we're loving it. To be fair, yeah. I, I, do, I do think to a degree that modern football. You know, is is all about high pressing. It's all about scoring goals. I think it's really uh, relatively old-fashioned to to sit back and and and, and th- these days, I think that's how it is. It's always served us well. Look, at the end of the day, if, if my mortgage was on it, we might sign a couple of defenders, or we might threaten the ones we have got. We're, we're not getting paid, but the fact is, my mortgage is not on it. We're sightseeing this year. Yeah. If we can stay in this division, it'd be a brilliant achievement. Because we need to not forget that we are—we have really started the season with two of our best players missing, one of which will be back 
hopefully by, by, by jam. Briggs, for Rutherford and uh, Fuller as well, all, all out long term. All, yeah, all at the same time. I mean, but Briggs, the league doesn't the, the league doesn't realise yet what's about to hit them. It's really easy. <laughs> it's really easy to say, oh, I've heard he's good. But mm. I've been in this position for years as it goes in, Briggs goes into a different league. Mm. And then after six games, people go, Jesus, not that good. Mm. And he's, he's a massive big ticket for us, Briggs, and he'll be back. And mm. Baz will be back in about a month. And But we're, we're, we're picking up results without him and we're enjoying life. Will that make it into the documentary? Find out on YouTube very soon. <laughs> yeah. The game itself, um, let's just talk about Dorking for a second. Obviously, it's interesting, isn't it? Dorking and Wealdstone. I mean, Dorking's form's okay. They won last mm. Saturday. They drew in the week three all against Woking and, and, and they had a poor game yesterday against Aldershot uh, result-wise. Um, but Dorking and Wealdstone, who were flying earlier in the season, the two main part-time teams in the National League, now all of a sudden it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So, I personally think that's a factor. Uh, mm. Mark would obviously say that the fact that he's he, he's got a lot of key players out, five or six key players out, some of those of which were you know defenders as well. Um, there's some mitigating circumstances for Dorking, but for Aldershot, frankly, they were superb. It was their best performance start to finish of the season. Um, and uh, I, I said to you guys off air, I've never seen in all my years playing managing only over two years, but then watching, reporting on football. I've never seen a team look night and day from what they were two weeks ago at Chelmsford when they went out in the FA Cup to what they looked like yesterday against Dorking. Um, it was a phenomenal turnaround and I caught up with um, the Shots caretaker academy manager, uh, Ross McNeely, after the game. Ross, it's three games and three wins, but... It's a really, really good win, isn't it, at Dorking uh, Wanderers today? 3 0, uh, another clean sheet, but uh, a, f- a start to finish performance from your side. Yeah, I think it was like it's different to what um, the problem of the other two were. I think we, were, I think in terms of in possession against Yorval, we were very good, and um, it was always uh, there was a lot of chances in that game. But in this game, we, we we got close to them. We made we made it difficult for them to play. We set traps for them to play into, um, and we made them play a game that 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 sort of or tried to make a play a game that they didn't. They weren't in used to playing. I didn't want to play. So I think like getting close to the mark and getting close to the players was was really really spot on today from start to finish they put some graft in there and I've seen a different side to, them, to, the, to the team today like really dug in and, and really seen it out in difficult moments Now you've got belief in yourself as a coach we talked about that on Tuesday but what about the difference in belief of your football team right now from just three or four weeks ago I know confidence breeds wins yeah. but it looks even more so than that just tell us the secret <laughs> Well I think like we've just been about performance and process and I've not really I, I mean it sounds I've not spoke about winning and I've not spoke about keeping and clean sheets we've, we've put things in place to get close to players and we, we, we've changed the system a little bit and we've just told them how good they are which is how good they are and 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 i guess the only thing i could say is we've just become we're trying to become performance and process driven and and that seems to show and we never really talk about winning and we never really talk about clean sheets and that that's obviously a given that we all want that but like that's not our motivation here our motivation here is we want to be a group and we want to be close and we want to enjoy playing football really and and and, and in a certain style and a certain identity and, and to be fair today Dorkin made it hard for us to have the identity we want, we want to keep the ball and, and they made it difficult today so like there's loads and loads of work to do for for, for, for me in the short term and or whatever it looks like long term but like um, performance and process and uh, we don't pick out too many individuals, but uh, some very, very strong collective performances there. But you've got to be pleased for the big man. He's worked tirelessly game in, game out in the FEONG without uh, the rewards in front of goal. But he got his goal today. 
Yeah, he did, and it's a good finish. And um, I mean, we we, all, we had a couple. Of, we had, I mean, others. We had a couple of chances today, and I think I think I can. You're not, I'm not going to mourn about missing chances because we create them, and which is the hardest thing. But I thought Innie's excellent. Like his attitude to want to learn. At the, I mean, at, uh, me coming in and want to learn about the out of shape stuff, or the out of possession stuff, and his shape and where to be has been really, really good. Um, I couldn't praise him enough. And like, if, if the team's winning, he's in, he's he's involved as much as as much as he has been today. Um, I'm more than happy. Rob, do you think there's a chance he may well get it? Obviously, I don't think they'll give it Terry Brown permanently, but is there a chance somebody like Ross could get it? Yes, definitely there is. Terry doesn't want it. Terry's 70 years old now. He quite likes his little job upstairs. Um, and, and, and he made an announcement in the week just so that people realised, because to be honest, he was embarrassed. He was getting the credit when he wasn't doing any coaching on the pitch. It was all Ross McNeely and uh, James Edmonds and... Uh, um, he rightly took a bit of a back seat. He was in the stands, ten yards from where I was commentary commentating on on Saturday, and 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 Ross and uh, James they were the other side of the pitch in the dugouts, and they were they were they were picking the team, they were working on the tactics, and the, and they were making the calls from the sidelines. Ross has has said uh, on and off air that he he wants to throw his hat in the ring. Why not? He's been in academy football for a while. He's got some great ideas. Nobody will take any academy results seriously. They never do because it's not that competitive. But as I understand it, his academy side has only lost one game in 18 months. So I think he's deserved the chance and he's absolutely grasping it with both hands. Scott, just a quickie, really. I, mm. I don't particularly, we don't particularly need to debate Aldershot and, and Dawkins as such, but just the point that the phenomenal difference in the same group of players in just a couple of weeks you know, based on the fueling of confidence with winning games, being shown a lot of belief in them and being allowed to go and express themselves. It, it's incredible. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, see, exactly that. And and that's what I was kind of saying about Oldham. You know, that's what they want, a change, change of personnel, a manager, and that's what you want to see. But it has been, it has been um, incredible. Um, I've got, obviously, a couple of my friends play there. I've got Ollie, Ollie Harfield, who plays left-back, Innie F. Young, who scored the first against Dorkin. And they both said the same to me about how just, I don't know how, I know obviously you feel better when you're winning games, but it's just been a, it has been a huge transformation. And I think Mark White also said that they're like one of the first teams to, in a long time, to stop Dorking from scoring on their own pitch as well. Um, but yeah, they, but they, they have been brilliant. And I, 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 I actually hope they give it to Ross. I really do, because he can't really do any more than what he's done and not just their winning games, they're keeping clean sheets as well, which is huge. You know, they've kept, I think they've kept three of A in a row, which is really good. So it, it's, it's good to see. Yeah, I mean, Rob, I know you had a lot of time for Mark Molesy, but what do you think the difference is? I think it's three things. I think, so, and, and Terry Brown may have been involved in this, I don't know, but I know Ross is trying to play the way he plays in the academy, but it's, it's extra presence up front. Um, a more a more front foot game, um, you know the the confidence that comes from winning games and 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 big belief. I think there was there was I know this from conversations I've had over over, over the opening months of the season. There was a strong belief amongst the Aldershot Town squad that they'd got a good squad together, and it just wasn't quite backed up with the results. And they're a bit unlucky in the early part of the season, and then frankly they didn't kick on after the the win on BT Sport against Halifax. They kind of 
you know, treaded water for two or three games after that. And that, that that's what really cost Mark in the end. Um, I don't know. He's a very, very good coach, Mark Molesley. I think a huge amount of work has been done on their out-of-possession game while Moles was there. And I think they're really equipped for that. They, they were very, very good for 20, 25 minutes as Dawkins looked to try and respond on Saturday. And lots of credit goes to Moles for that work that he's done over the months. But... Um, but yeah, I just think breath, fresh air, sometimes just wiping the slate clean, just going again. Um, different voice in the changing room, all of those things combined. Uh, but even I, who've watched almost every minute of every game this season, I'm blown away and I can't quite believe it's the same group of players, but it is. It's nice to have a happy Rob on a, on a weekend for the pod. <laughs> for once. That's yeah, why I, I know. Think- if only... If only we'd done a midweek podcast as well. <laughs> <laughs> I did think about it, but steady on. Uh, that's why I, I'm sure Joel's glad, actually, that he's not going to be at the game on Tuesday. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, hopefully we can uh, put an end to uh, Older Shots' clean sheet run. Good win, good win at home for Maidenhead, wasn't it, Joel? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Alan Devonshire, he's a, he's a good manager. You know, he's uh, he knows how to get wins at this level. And the reason they stay up every season is because of wins like Saturday, you know, against a team that nobody would have fancied them to get a result against. They managed to grind out a 1-0 at home and it's another three points on the board. And ultimately, that you know, that's why they stay up every year is because, you know, it doesn't matter who they're against, they manage to find a way mm. to get a win. Yeah, Scott, it's a tough old place to go, Maidenhead, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, I agree with that. I covered a couple of games last season at Maidenhead, and you know, there's when you see some time, um, some teams down the bottom, uh, say earlier on Christmas time. Whenever Maidenhead, even if Maidenhead are just above it, I never ever even include them. I never think like, oh yeah, Maidenhead might get reeled into it. I know they won't. I just know they won't. Under Devonshire, like you said, he knows exactly how to win games, um, grinding out one nils. They're normally quite a big, horrible team, you know, but they always get those victories. They always get enough. Um, and, yeah, I'm, like I said, I never, ever fear of them being in trouble at all. They've always get enough very good results. Brill. Well, Scott, thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks a lot, guys. Brilliant. I've finally quit. I can keep up with my kids now. I feel like I've got my life back. It's an amazing feeling when you stop smoking and you can experience it for yourself. Our range of free support can help you quit for good. From our app to emails, face-to-face support and online communities, search Smoke Free. Better health. Let's do this. Let's move on and look at the National League South. And in the National League South, it's really tight. Just six points separate the top four. It was was just another draw for Ebsley away at Hemel Hempstead, despite Jack Paxman opening the score. And they were pegged back by Harris O'Connor. Haven't they got a good win away at Chestnut. They left it very late, though. It was um, Mo Fowl who got the winner on 70th minute. They were nearly pegged back in the 90th minute by Raul de Silva, but it wasn't enough. And also in there were Chelmsford. They had another big win away at home to Eastbourne Borough. And Dartford, they leapfrogged, having it in Waterlooville, but they played two games. Most an eventful day in the South, Joe. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we've said on the podcast many times before that uh, when there is a slip up from Ebbsfleet, then they've got, uh, haven't have got to take advantage. Um, and that's exactly what they did. You know, uh, they ground out a win 3-2 uh, on the road, which is a good result for them. Um, so, uh, yeah, a really, really good result for them to uh, to close the gap at the top. Yeah, Chelmsford as well. I mean, five different scorers for them, which of course I love. But we, we, Scott Doll was talking about defences there and um, title winning sides are built on clean sheets. Chelmsford have only conceded nine goals so far. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. The lowest by far in the division. Yeah, but it won't come as a surprise to Rob that they've been so good at the back because they've obviously got Dave Winfield, um, which Rob will be quick to chip in with. But um, yeah, and you a know, talented Chelsea's... young goalkeeper as well. A talented yeah, I mean, young they... goalkeeper as well, yeah. They've been, you know, superb. Um, you know, I think a couple of their defenders or at least one of their defenders got on the score sheet as well yesterday, Aluwu um, at the back. And, um, you know, Rob would have seen them against Aldershot. They are a big physical side that, you know, are very difficult to play against. And, you know, why can't they go and win it? You know, we, we always, you know, have, you know, one or two teams at this level um, that, you know, get a run together and, and have a surprise. So, you know, why can't they go and do it. You know, they've got a good core of experienced players, you know, Dave Winfield, Simeon Jackson, who was on the on the score sheet again yesterday. And then in and around that, they've got some good young players that, you know, Robbie Simpson's trying to bring through with the academy setup they've got there. So, um, yeah, another five-star display. And Darford, do you think they've got, I mean, it's the age-old argument again, isn't it? They've played two games more than haven't and Ebsleet, but They've got points on the board, haven't they? Yes. And, uh, you know, Alan Dowson will be quietly confident. Um, you know, they just keep going about their business, getting another win. Um, bit of a backs to the wall performance away with yesterday. Um, obviously, uh, another defeat for them. Um, but yeah, the, you know, Dartford, they keep winning. Um, they keep, you know, getting points on the board and, you know, Dartford will be in the playoffs at the end of the season. You know, I'm pretty confident in that. And Alan Dowson's got a team out of the league before through the playoffs. So he could uh, he could do it again as well. In fifth place of Braintree, they have won four games on the spin. They beat Hampton and Richmond Borough 3-0. Comprehensive win in the end. Yeah, really good win for them. And, uh, you know, not many people expected it. I certainly didn't, but they've recruited superb um, in the summer. I was looking yesterday, you know, was, uh, had a bit more of a, a deeper look at them. And, uh, you know, their midfield options are superb. You know, all their midfielders, they you know, sort of could play higher. I know they got Jack or Alfie Payne there um, that was at Kings Lynn, um, one that Dickie might have seen. Um, when he was there. So, um, and obviously they added John Benton into their midfield, a fantastic young player um, that they got on loan from Southend United. He he was on the score sheet yesterday. So a good win for them, another clean sheet for them. Um, and they've got some experienced players at the back, Miles Anderson um, and John White that was at Southend. So um, they're looking good, uh, really, really good. Yeah, really good result for them. And Worthing, they're still in the playoffs, despite all the speculation around Adam Hinchelwood. They drew 2-2 with Slough. Uh, Scotty Davis, friend of the podcast, he was on the score sheet yet again for Slough with a free kick. Some questionable goalkeeping, maybe. 
but it was a late equaliser from Daniel Bowery, the Antigua and Barbuda international who designed from Kings Lynn, who got a point there for Worthing, who, who are ticking along, aren't they still? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's their first season at this level and they would have wanted to, you know, start the season well. Um, and they have done. Um, obviously, as you say, there is the, that little bit of uncertainty with Hinshaw Wood, but um, another, you know, good result for them. The, the, they must have known the football gods that I was coming on the podcast today because every time I come on, Slough have never won. So even though they were winning with 15 minutes left, the fact that they chucked away more points, the football gods must have known I was coming on. Um, and obviously your favourite player in the National League, South Luke, uh, Giovanni Splat, yeah. on the score sheet again. Absolutely, yeah. Giovanni and just on uh, Scotty Davis, I, I, I must admit I was... Um, I had to message him really because I, I was pretty. I said, "Bloody hell, mate! Is that two goals in the same week now? Well, eight days anyway." And he said, "I oh, know, mate. Like rolling back the years, I don't know what's happened." And the non-league paper report on that goal says that Scott Davies' free kick crept into the bottom corner. That's I had to take issue with him on that as well because he's only ever smashed free kicks before, but. That was uh, a little bit of nouse, wasn't it? He sort of uh, crept it in the corner and the goalkeeper was still trying to get a look at where it was going as it passed him. <laughs> Absolutely. Rich, rich vein of form in, uh, in those boots for Scott Davis. Good win for Dover away at Bath. Bath remain in the last playoff places, but Luke Wanadio's goal on 40 minutes was enough for them. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that I haven't put the jinx on Dover as well. Was there another side that I uh, backed to being in around it come the end of the season? And that was a good win for them um, against a Bath team that I expect to be up there come the end of the season. Um, you know, one one player in Luke Winadio that's played a lot of games at you know the National League level. So uh, a good player and a, and a hard-fought win for Dover. Yeah, Dulwich have pulled out the bottom four. They've given Paul Barnes the job on a full-time basis. Now, they came from behind to beat St. Albans. Sean Jeffers was on the score sheet for St. Albans. An own goal got Dulwich Hamlet back into it. And then Nana Awusu on 53 minutes from the penalty spot gave them all three points. Yeah, you know, we, they need to kick on now, Dulwich, because we keep saying each year that they're going to be good. You know, they've strengthened well on paper, um, but they never seem to do it. And now they've got that bit of um, assurance with Paul Barnes getting the, the permanent job. They need to kick on now. They've had some couple of wins under him. Um, they look like they've improved a little bit uh, under his interimship. So, uh, yeah, they need to, to kick on now. What else caught your eye, caught your eye from the South? At Taunton, um, obviously have a sort of a close eye on them, given that they're just round the corner and uh, a big win for them. Um, you know, they, they, they've, their home record is superb. Um, I may be right in saying, um, I think I saw something that when they played Yeovil Town, they haven't lost since August of last year at home. I may be wrong there, but, you know, it just goes to show their, their home record is absolutely fantastic. Um, and another win for them. Uh, yesterday, uh, a couple of goals from uh, from Jarvis and Smith uh, for them. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a really good one. And you wanted to mention a, a, another win for, for Farnborough, Rob, as they look to be sort of putting a little bit of a run together now. Yeah, they're up to um, the, uh, the the dizzy heights of 17th themselves now. They've pulled three clear of the relegation zone. Um, a couple of goals for Hisham Kasimu. Uh, for them on uh, Saturday as they beat Oxford City 2-1. Uh, 
Uh, and just to mention, and I think I did touch on this in last week's podcast, but I'll be getting a look at Farnborough firsthand next weekend. It's FA Cup time again. Uh, and they're going to be playing at Gander Green Lane against Sutton. Um, and it's worthy of mention that Farnborough are in the first round of the FA Cup for the first time in the history of the new club, which was formed in 2007. So, uh, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing how Farnborough get on in the FA Cup at uh, Sutton next week. Let's move on to the National League North. And in the National League North, I think the game of the day was down in the southwest. Steve King's Gloucester City, as we've got to call them now, took on Kings Lynn and they fell behind. It was the manager's son, Theo Widgerton, who put Kings Lynn ahead. But two goals from Trey Mitford saw Gloucester come from behind and they're on an absolute tear up now, aren't they, under Steve King? Yeah, they are. Um, their, their form has picked up terrifically under uh, Stephen King, as he's being termed at the moment when we see the uh, media stuff that's coming out of Gloucester City. Um, yeah, I, I, I will admit that when Lee Mansell um, uh, was shown the door at Gloucester, I was a little found that a little strange, but it is very hard to um, argue against what's happened. Subsequently, Stephen King's come in, um, big upturn in results. I think they're unbeaten in their last six, 14 points from the last 18. And I think on the back of that, Gloucester have actually clapped into the playoff places now. Um, Kingsley, they're in third. Um, they're in third. You know, yeah, I think it's only... They're in third. Wow, yeah. Four points off the top. Yeah, um, terrific form from Gloucester, you know, and, and whatever it, it's done, I don't think he's necessarily brought in, um, you know, a, a lot of players since he's come in, but he just seems to have transformed the group that they've got there. And, and you know, this is what we were kind of imagining that Gloucester might do last season, but, uh, it, you know, it started terribly for them and they ended up, uh, they did escape relegation reasonably Ken, but it was a it was a, a a very disappointing season for them last season and you know we talk about the Gloucester City fans and how much um, disappointment they've had over the years you know they've been a nomadic team haven't had their own ground for a number of years and and if anybody deserves um, to have some good times it probably is them and and yeah they've got to be loving this at the moment. Yeah I know Gloucester were full-time they kind of scaled it back to I think hybrid and I think Alex Petherin, the chairman, did say, like, if you could see results improve, they may well look to train a bit more. So do you think now they are up there? That's maybe the demand of Steve King that he maybe will look to up it and go back to being more full-time again? Well, I don't know what, um, you know, I would not necessarily promises, but, you know, I don't necessarily know what vision of the club that, that Alex Petherin has, has sold to, to Steve King coming in. Um but, you know, if they are up towards the top of that table um, and given that they were on a full time basis before, you, I wouldn't necessarily rule it out. You know, um, it's a difficult one in Gloucester. It is a, a city that's dominated more by the rugby team rather than football. Um, but, you know, the, the investment that Alex Petherham looked prepared to put in um you know, he, he was, he, it did seem like they were gearing up to have a go and they've scaled back on it. But, but yeah, if Steve King can sort of like reignite that um, uh, ambition in them again, then who's to say what they'll do? Only a, only a second defeat this season as well for Kingsley. So no, no panic stations yet for them. No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's clearly a disappointing result. You know, they 
they would have given them the form that they've been in they would have gone there um imagining that they would get something but you know they're, they're going very well at the moment kings lynn they are in the um fa cup first round as well so they've got a, a um, a step away from league action um, next Saturday. There is a full programme of league fixtures on Tuesday. That again, I think Joe mentioned it earlier, the fixtures that were moved on the weekend that Her Majesty the Queen passed away. So um, the schedule does get intense over the next few weeks. It's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. You've got a cup game thrown in. You know, if there was to be a replay involved there, that would start to, to test the depth in that Kingsland squad, um, which I think is perhaps maybe one of the unknown quantities so far. They've got a very, very good first 11, but, you know, the depth might be the question mark against them. But um, I'm sure Tommy Widrington's got confidence in in those players who are outside of that starting 11 that they can come in and, and do well for him. Otherwise, why would they be at the club? Yeah, there was a lot of surprise when Brackley pointed Roger Johnson, but it's so far so good and they're up to second. Yeah, they are. And Brackley um, in the form table, um, again, doing very, very well at the moment. Um, you know, you look at the change that they made and, and the, the the dismissal of, of uh, Kevin Wilkin was a, a big surprise. Um, but yeah, given given the results that they've turned in at the moment, it's hard to argue that that, that it wasn't perhaps the right decision although you know it's early days it's only a few games into it they had a good win in midweek they beat uh, Boston 1-0 and uh, yeah won 2-1 away at Bradford Park Avenue University goals from uh, is it uh, Martin Woods and Cosmos Matwasa so uh, yeah uh, uh, everything going swimmingly for Roger Johnson in his first managerial job yeah Cosmos giving him lift off certainly in that <laughs> in that uh, job there and there's only three points separating Brackley in second and filed in eighth. It's so, so tight. So any drop points could be costly. Darlington drew 1-1 at Leamington. Alfredton have leapfrogged up to fifth. Eight. You saw them firsthand, didn't you, at Telford on Saturday? Yes, I did. And I'll mention Darlington first. Their, their form's dropped off a little bit of late. I know um, your side hide knocked them out of the FA Cup. It's not been quite so good for uh, Alan Armstrong's team since then. Um, they were held at home by Leamington yesterday. I watched Alan Armstrong's post-match interview where um, <clears throat> I, I don't think he was overly pleased with his own team's performance. He was pleased that they came back. It was a, a Jake Lawler around goal that put Leamington into the the lead at half time, but then all scored at the right end after 64 minutes to level it. Um, yeah, a little bit disappointing for them. Alfreton's form, um, I did see them yesterday. Um, what can I say? They were very typically Alfreton town. You know that they're going to be um, an awkward side to play against. Um, they're very streetwise side. Um, they equalised an early goal for Telford from Nate Blissett when Ahmed Salam. Um, turned in a rebound after a long shot was partially saved. Um, yeah, got the winner just on the stroke of half-time. We're actually into first half injury time. A little bit of controversy about that one. Um, in that Dale Southwell took a free kick or took a, a corner from what looked to be well outside the quadrant. Referee was too far away to see it. The assistant didn't see it. None of the players did. And to be fair, you know, the players need to be concentrating on other things rather than where the ball's placed. Um, Connor Branson snuck in at the far post to score. And then they just basically frustrated Telford in the second half and, and took a probably a deserved 2-1 win. I've got to say, Branson's put Telford in a pickle, hasn't he? 
<laughs> Branson. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, he just stole in unmarked yesterday, and and um, Kevin Wilkin, the Telford manager, was spoke about concentration. You know, Telford remained rooted at the bottom on just seven points from fourteen, and and spoke about the need for there to be a greater intensity uh, to what his side do, for the need to be concentration to be maintained for longer periods because. Telford are making slips in games and getting punished for them all the time currently. And, and it's a habit that they, they've got to correct very, very quickly. Otherwise, they're going to find themselves. They are pretty much in a relegation battle already. But, you know, they're going to, they're going to slip even further adrift if they just concede, keep conceding cheap goals. Yeah, quickly on Telford, six points adrift. Is, is the alarms setting off yet? Well, I think there were. I think the fact that Paul Carden lost his job a few weeks ago is, is clearly a signal that, that it, you know, it wasn't good enough um, and that the board were concerned. I think perhaps Kevin Wilkins' availability, him having just been dismissed by Brackley, might have given um, the Telford board maybe the nudge they needed to to do something. Um, they, they, I think they did try to show faith in Paul Carden. But, um, yeah, I think it's difficult to turn it around straight away. I mean, certainly the kind of levels that, that Kevin Wilkins is used to operating at. You know, he's spoken about having players who are more reliable in those situations whose concentration doesn't waver who can just play with that intensity that he believes this league needs um and he obviously hasn't got enough of that in the Telford side at the moment but he's his hands are a little bit tied given that um you know some of the budget is tied up in in players at Telford so he might have to move or attempt to move some of those on before he can bring other people in but he has also said that he'll be prepared to give the players at Telford the opportunity to show that, you know, they can operate to the level he needs them to. Yeah, Scarborough are in sixth. They drew 2-2 with Spennymore. And Kidderminster, who does a lot of dissent, wasn't it, towards Russ Penn? I mean, they've not been great at home, but they got a good 1-0 win away at Banbury. Banbury are in horrible form at the minute. Only Telford are on a worse run than Banbury. And Banbury, after looking really good at home, all of a sudden have been losing games. Kidderminster up to seventh now. Yeah, uh, Banbury have hit a little bit of a wall. Um, I think they lost, is it Morgan Roberts? They lost at the end of the transfer window. And um, obviously they've been on a high after getting promoted last season, but they have, um, you know, had their first real few stumbles after after doing that. Um, I saw the uh, a bit of video from Kidderminster Harriers at full-time whistle yesterday, which showed um, Russ Penn and Jimmy O'Connor and the backroom staff celebrating that 1-0 win. Um, and I have to say, although, you know, um, Telford are my team and I, I try not to display, you know, any undue bias, I'm really pleased for Russ Penn that they got that result because I think some of the criticism of him is unjust. If Russ Penn is guilty of anything as Kidderminster manager, it's of raising expectation levels absolutely sky high in his first full season last season. You know, he's brought new supporters into the club with that FA Cup run. They've generated additional money, but they did lose some of the players in the summer. I think maybe replacing them has been a little bit harder than um, uh, as has been imagined and I think they've got some injury problems as well at the moment but to suggest that Russ Penn should be losing his job you know 12 games into this season after what he did last season to me is is absolutely ridiculous I think that's perhaps maybe it's some of the newer supporters you've been drawn in you know they've, they've taken them away from the world of watching Premier League or whatever on television and they think the same rules apply there that you know you lose a few games in a row that's it you get rid of a manager um, I think that would have been exceptionally harsh on Russ Penn and Jimmy O'Connor um, 
and yeah, they're, they're starting to climb the table, getting towards, you know, those playoff places again. Yeah, a couple of teams had absolute shockers at home, didn't they? Southport, surprisingly, they lost 4-1 at home to Buxton. And also Boston, who are in the bottom four, again, they uh, they did a Boston at home, didn't they? They were 3-0 down at half time Again, I'm not quite sure uh, what's going on at Boston. No, I don't know what, what exactly is happening there as well. But I, I think, unfortunately, you have to put it down to summer recruitment and you have to put it down to the person who did that summer recruitment, which was Paul Cox. Um, clearly, his style is very different to Ian Culverhouse's, who's, who's come in now. And one of the biggest issues that Boston have had in the early weeks of the season was just conceding a hatful of goals, particularly at home. And it, exactly the same thing has happened again. Um, I say they lost in midweek against Brackley, although Brackley were reduced to 10 men, so they might have been disappointed they didn't get anything there. But uh, yeah, that's a, an, another really poor result for Boston yesterday. Um, I'm just having a look who was on the score sheet for Chester. Kurt Willibono got one, Anthony Dudley and Declan Weeks, essentially three of Chester's biggest players there. Um, goals uh, by Johnson, Guyamfi and Sam McClintock cut the deficit. But again, um, Boston leaving them themselves an absolute mountain to climb going three nil down before half time um and and it's this is just a recurring nightmare for boston fans at the moment just seeing their team be essentially out of games before they've even half played them uh, yeah anything else caught your eye in the well i've touched on the southport one there southport had a very good result in midweek they won one nil away at spennymore but uh, that, that was a, a bit of a shocker against buxton uh, yesterday to lose by uh, four goals to one um although equally a, a great result for buxton goals from connor kirby uh, uh, Diego Di Girolamo, uh, Sam Osborne, and then Jason Gilchrist, a former Southport player, adding uh, uh, the, the gloss to a 4-1 scoreline. Niall Watson, uh, son of manager Liam, did get a goal in the 90th minute. Um, I kind of jumped past the Scarborough result as well there, and I will just come back to that one. Um, a good point for spending more there. Scarborough tuning up and probably looked like they were cruising to that one. But uh, yes, yeah, more got themselves back into that one with goals from Glenn Taylor and John Lafudu in the last 20 minutes of the game. Um, and um, yeah, again, I don't think we should necessarily see that, that, that Scarborough have hit a wall, but I know that Jonathan Greening wasn't especially chuffed with their performance against Telford last week. And um, given that the way they've been going, you would have to say that's points dropped at home yesterday. Uh, Joe, Rob, thanks for joining us. No worries. Good stuff, pleasure as always. Dickie, thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. And that is it. Thank you very much for listening in. Uh, you can give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram. Subscribe and like, and you'll get it uploaded to your device every week. Leave us a review, and we'll see you all very soon. Get out there and watch some National League football. <laughs>